We are speaking with the one and only uh, K.K. Downing, a K.K. Priest, a Sermons of the Sinner, coming out August 20th, 2021. And for a change, this one is before my birthday, Jeremy, not before your birthday. I know. You know what? The last couple of guys, everybody's putting stuff out for Record Store Day. My, my birthday is June 12th, so it's kind of hilarious to now that Mitch is getting his birthday gift from K.K. That's right. And and what a gift! Now now KK, we spoke uh, previously. We did a we did a a quick hit and run, a ten minute thing, but now we're going to go a little a little deeper. But I, I've got to say, I've been listening to the album more and more since that last conversation, and I don't know if you're going to like my 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 review, but I think it's like Painkiller Part Two. It's just it's got that classic sound. It's got the classic elements. Ripper, well, rips on it. Um, is that a fair comparison or, or how would you qualify it? Well, yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen obviously, um, fantastic that, um, that, um, seemingly, um, the first song Hellfire Thunderbolt has been very well received and, uh, and that's so, such fantastic news. I'm so happy about that, you know, but, um, and I have seen a few comments, you know, uh, from one end of the scale to the other, really. But there's a, there's a few comparisons with Painkiller. You're right, you know, I suppose. But um, I don't really quite see that yet because Painkiller to me was just, you know, I think that um, it was just like the great Ingve Malmsteen once said when he was asked, you know, which is your favourite album? And he, he went, I can't go there. They're all my babies, you know. You can't denounce one for the other. And they're all kind of unique, you know, and um, and I understand what he meant by that, really, because, you know, uh, you have an album at a certain year and a point in your life, like 1989, 1990 with Painkiller, you know, with those songs. And they are, to me, you know, um, totally unique and different, you mm-hmm. know, it can never be, it can never be replicated, you know, Um but I understand what you're saying, Mitch, about, you know, um, some comparisons, I guess, really. And I think that that's, that's a good thing because, I mean, I am who I am and I do what I do. And like leopards can never change the spots and, you know, um, and I'm not a snake, so I can't like shed my skin, you know. Um, I'm kind of stuck with this away, aren't I? <laughs> After so many years, you know. Um, <clears throat> to be fair, I think it's so, a blessing yeah. in disguise, you know. So yeah, as I was obviously a, a, a big part of that, and I'm a big part of this, you know, I guess there is going to be some similarities and comparisons. And um, but I think that's a good thing because I'm staying true to true metal, and that's yes. who I am and what I do, and uh, I'm not going anywhere else. So well, let, me, uh, let me just yeah. take up on that. Doing the the metal thing, I mean, you, we've seen a lot of other bands, bands with a lot of heritage. As they've gotten older, they're either doing, you know, the the songbook, or they're, you know, or they're doing something a little softer or a little more poppy. Or talk to me about sticking to metal and and what it means to to, to put out an album like this and not go and do, you know, Joan Baez. Yeah, well, it was say, um, you know, first and foremost, I always thought there would be things would turn circle like they usually do in music. You know, your bands, you know. Bands do a lot of things, you know, split up, come back, split up, come back. It's like Rob went for four, well, like 14 years, came back. You know, I always thought that things would turn full circle and I would be doing this again in the, in the same kind of home that I had for so many years. But that wasn't to be. 
Um, but now I'm quite, I'm com so comfortable with it, guys, you know, um, because suddenly I was able to do this with a free, open mind and open spirit, you know, and, and I didn't feel that pressure of having to write and present things, you know, for other people to, you know, give opinions and thumbs up or thumbs down. You know, I could just, I had the freedom to do this with the guys that were totally on board with everything that we were going to attempt to do, you know. So I'm really, really happy, you know, and I'm really, really happy with the album. And um, a great album. I'll, I'll keep saying it. It's a great album. Yeah, no, it I'm, really is. I, I hate to coin the phrase the Frank Sinatra, but <laughs> doing it my way, you know. It's, um, but yeah, I'm there now. But I think the album is, is you know, is after so many years and I'm back, it's, it's kind of a big rejoicement, like, like the song like um, Metal Through and Through, for example. You know, it's just about the connection, the band and the audience and the fans, because we're all the same. You know, I tell many stories of, you know, recently how I was a fan in the crowd of, you know, Jimi Hendrix playing or the cream at the Royal Albert Hall. I was there. I was the fan jumping from the balconies and rushing the stage. You know, I'm the same as everybody in the audience. And, and this album, I think, is because I'm able to do it. You never know what's going to happen. I mean, I've already started... We've already started writing material for the next album. Good. Which is good. I'm, yeah. I'm in a hurry because I want to now that I'm in the, you know, I've got the whole thing in my sight. So uh, hey, strike while the, what was the, what's the expression? Strike while the iron's hot, right? Exactly. You never know what's going to happen, do you really? You, you know, um, and and we've had to do all of this thing where you, with the, this dreaded COVID nightmare thing. It's been horrible, but... You know, I said to the guys and I said to the, the guys at Explorer, Explorer One, you know, the record label and the management, you know, I can't wait. This has got to go out now. You know, time is of the essence, isn't it, really? Yeah. And I don't care about COVID. I don't care about anything. I want I want to release the record and get it out there. And, um, you know, and uh, we've got great plans to go out there and do some great tours. And, and I miss the world. <laughs> uh, you know, guys, Jeremy and Mitch. I mean, I, it's um, it's it's one of those things. I've, I've been, you know, the world is my home, and I've got friends all over the world, and not by that I mean fans and people, people like you guys. You know, yeah. what I mean, you got you got two uh, friends in Montreal. We'll take you to supper when you come over here. <laughs> we've lived a life. We've come through the decades together. You know, Jeremy, not not so much you. I mean, you, you guys must you be. You know what? Actually, KK, you were one of my first. You were my first metal concert that I ever went to. Yeah. I think it was like 2008 or 2009 at the Bell Center in Montreal, and I was front row, right on the gate. And first of all, it was it was deafening, but it was also blinding because you had these blinders on the stage that yeah. like shot right into the front row, and we were like this, and it was it was such a great experience, you know? Yeah. Well, well so music is what it is. You know, like I say, I'm actually 60. I'm 70 years old this year in October. Um, you don't look at you know, <laughs> thanks, thanks. But but you know, I mean, this is our music is very personal because it's. It, I'm sure I can speak for, for so many fans that are listening now. You know, we never forget. You know, we take our music with us through our lives and all of the treasured memories that we have from all the concerts. And I'm exactly the same. You know, and um, 
you know, so this album to me is very, very important. Still, to be able to make an album like this mm. is um, is very rewarding. Obviously, you know, um, but you know, as as, as the, the, the lyrics in the song goes, uh, "Sermons of the Sinner," you know, um, you know, I, the storyline is about you know um, that you know things may not be the same forever. Things will change. You know, and uh, uh, like I said, I think I said before to, to Mitch, you know, we're losing so many friends along the way, you know, because time is, we can't, you can't hold it back. And so this album really is about, you know, the, the, the magical decades of this, this niche music that we had, you know, from somewhere in the 60s to somewhere in the late 80s or the early 90s, you know, of classic metal, you know. And yeah, people, some people call it true metal. You know, it will, it, it's there forever and a day. But let's, the album's all about not only rejoicing in that, but just hanging on to what we've, what we know and love yeah, for as long yeah. as we possibly can and have that appreciation for it, I think. You know, no, um, totally. it, even though a lot of bands may be fragmented now, it's, you know, it's still, we're still creating music. And that's what really the most important thing is uh, still to be able to con the continuation of the music that we've known and love and, and that's been a part uh, of us um, for so many years. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that you, you use the term true metal because in a world where we live where there's so much false metal, it's really <laughs> great to hear this record because through the years, it's interesting. You know, Mitch has talked about how bands have sort of departed from their sound and they try for a sound yeah they try and spin it off as oh you know we're evolving as artists if you don't evolve well what's the point but i love the fact that listening to this you have not missed a beat in the sense that you continue to write these iconic guitar riffs and it just sounds like you and it just sounds like metal and it sounds exactly how it's supposed to sound even i, I was complimenting the the production of the record you know your guitar is you yeah. know ear splitting razor blade heavy metal guitar tone and the drums they sound you know everybody's drums sound the same and you know this sounds like a great record yeah well fresh. It, it was pretty intentional really jeremy exactly that because i didn't want to you know uh, you know that that kind of classic sound you know kind of more organic and especially with the drums everything's got to yeah. be live you know and real and and the guitar tones have to be good tones, not oversaturated and, you know, uh, and overly distorted and stuff like that. So it's kind of, um, I think I've reached a pretty good, happy medium, really, you know, um, for where I am in my musical life, really. You know, um, I could have gone further back. We could have had seen after seen tones or stained class tones or through the chorus know, pedal or, on there and tons of delay yeah, and, and all of that but it's a nice kind of a happy medium i think and you know i like um like to have a good amount of headroom in the track you know and um you know clarity and so you can hear the bass as well i mean tony's bass playing you know you can hear everything so, yeah, I'm really pleased with, with the whole thing, you know. No, it's and, a great mix. And, and Ripper on it is great. Uh, just real quick, yeah. this is a, a band, though. It's not just a solo project. Oh, no, 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 absolutely. Totally, this is a band, you know. This is, you know, absolutely is, you know. Um, 
has to be that way. Like I say, I, I, the name, I thought it, the, the name was always tough, but I would have to say I didn't want to, like I say, I, I want to right now, I don't want to just be in the future. I don't want to just be in the present and I don't want to just be in the past. I want to be all of those, mm-hmm. you know, the um, fans. So I want to do stuff because it's 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 kind of, it, 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 it's new, you know, it, it's present, it's current, and and but also there's elements of the past. And I've always been a priest, and I wanted, I didn't, I wanted to maintain that. Why should I just? Well, it's, it's kind fair. of throwing myself away, you know. Yeah. It's kind well, of throwing. To, to be fair, if you go back to 1969 and 1970 with Al Atkins and stuff, it was your brand. I mean, Judas Priest was yours before everybody else, you know? Yeah. Well, so I, I approve. <laughs> I, I was the guy that had metal in my veins. And I tell the story from the age of, you know, around about 15, 16. And certainly when I first saw Jimmy, when I was 16 years old, you know, because the, the, the elements in his music were different to anything else that was around, you know, mm-hmm. because if you listen to like Foxy Lady and Purple Haze, for example, you know that riff orientated to me that was the first time i heard real heavy metal you know even though we didn't know it was that at the time because it it had such an effect on me you know because i had i struggled to yeah i mean there's lots of great bands that i love that were progressive blues bands like fleetwood mac obviously free 10 years after Bloodwing Pig, you, the list went on and on and on. Spot Brown Blues Band, you know, back way back then, you know, Cream, John Mills, Blues Breakers. But it was all kind of progressive blues. But, you know, when Hendrix came along, it was all about change. Suddenly, this was it, you know, and that's what really, you know, got into my veins. And I was always, you know, I didn't know it was heavy metal at the time, but, you know, it was always... Nobody did. <laughs> Only later did we start labeling stuff. It used to just be music. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and then I it was... had to be different kind. It had to be disco. It had to be heavy metal. It had to be black metal. Had... Shut up. Yeah. It's music. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't happy being um, a progressive blues band. I wasn't happy being a rock band. When somebody says, oh, you're a heavy rock band, I'm going, yes, yes. <laughs> We're on the way. We're on the way. Heavy rock band, that's great. And then when it went to heavy metal, I'm thinking, okay, now we've got it. Now, now, now we've got it. It was around about British Steel, I guess. You know, we had the look. We had the album cover with a razor blade. Which, you know, we had the songs. You know, and um, to be fair, heavy metal sounds a lot more dangerous than heavy leather. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, Ed, since we just mentioned Al real quick, I just want a, a quick comment on him because the story has always been that he left because the band couldn't get a record deal. But it, was it really just as simple as that? The priest couldn't get a record deal, so Al said, "I'm out." Or was there a little bit yeah, more going on? We, we have to realize it was a very long time ago, and things were tough. You know, even after Al left, you know. It was a lot more years of struggling, you know. Um, You know, um, Al probably left when, how old would I be then? 21, maybe, I'm guessing, you know. But I didn't have a car till I was 27. My first old banger was 50 pounds, you know. Um, 
So, you know, right up until then, I was still catching the bus and, and riding my bicycle, you know. It was, you'd see me, mm. you know. And, and we would still have a couple of, we got a couple of albums under the belt, you know, by then. When was that? Um, oh, Rock and Roller uh, was, what, 74? Here, let me go, uh, let me quickly 70, go. Yeah, I guess yeah. it was yeah. 1977 when I had my first driving license. <laughs> yeah, Sad Wings so, of Destiny, 76, Sin After Sin, 77. So, yeah, so it took you a while. So you'd, you'd go do a Sad Wings of Destiny gig and then hop on the Metro? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly that, you know. Um, That's great. It was, it was tough. I mean, Sad Wings of Destiny was in the charts in a couple of countries, you know, but, you know, we didn't have any money. We were working a, a job, you know. It was... It was... Um, it was the day job you were working? Were you working in, like, well, a cafe? It was part time. I was doing like kind of ca- casual labor in a factory. Uh, Glenn was painting a garage, a garage somewhere in the, in the countryside. Ian was driving a van. I don't know what Rob was doing, nothing knowing him because he, he was doing nothing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> doing what Rob would do, who knows? Oh, that's great. Those are, you know, what a great, what a great time. And yet, you 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 stuck it out and and survived and here I, I didn't ask you this the last time but how important was the North American market or the Canadian market or or more specifically the American market in Priest's success because when you you start off you're doing rock and roll of Sad Wings of Destiny the UK sort of loves you and you're getting a little bit of heat but then British Steel and Unleashed in the East all of a sudden Americans are going yeah and then yeah. everything changes right well yeah well obviously. It was like a dream come true when we first came over to to your continent. It was unbelievable, you know. I mean, 77 was it, I think, you know. Um, and because we'd always heard about America and we were always told, you know, America's the place for, for rock. Obviously, it's, it's such a big continent and there's so many places to play and it was unbelievable, you know. It was incredible. I mean, we got to play Day on the Green, supporting Led Zeppelin on that yeah. first, first tour. In we, were playing, we were playing clubs up and down the East Coast, weren't we, and doing stuff like that, you know, um, just club, club dates. And uh, and we were just about to go home and somebody says, can you can you do a support to Led Zeppelin? I think, <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, sorry, I got to go home and paint a garage. Like, Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> So we we went over there, you know, and um, and uh, and it was great, and we kept going back, and it was great because we had some strongholds, you know, like St. Louis, and uh, and San Antonio was massive for us because the radio stations liked us down there, you know. Uh, the West Coast was hard to crack, San Francisco, all of that. That was tough, you know, but we kept chiseling away. But that's a going. different vibe over there. They, they were and more course, peace and, and love and. Peace. And when we got to cross over into Canada, it was, I mean, as well, I mean, that was obviously fantastic, you know, I mean, um, you know, uh, pound for pound, Canada's been at a biggest stronghold sales-wise, yep. pro rata for the population, yep. you know, mm. yeah, so I have more gold and platinum albums from Canada, you know, than anywhere else. In the wow. world, yeah, yeah. and and most of that is from Quebec. Quebec has always traditionally bought seven out of ten album metal albums. So so there's like a seventy percent fan base of metal in Quebec. For some reason, it's been like that for forty years. So yeah, I know. I used to go one walk about, you know, Montreal, Quebec, wherever I was, because your record shops there were just full 
of like lots of stuff, you know, so you could like look through and, you know, um, it was, yeah, stores. Canada was massive, you know, for, for metal, you know. Um, I mean, I've got friends who are, are, are pilots for like Finnair. They love going to Canada, doing the same thing, rummaging through for vinyls and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, that's coming back. I mean, I, I'm 26 and I go to a local record shop. And the first section I run to is the vinyl. Like, it, it's back. And especially with the record store day thing and, like, artists are now kind of embracing the whole vinyl thing. You even look at top 40 artists. Oh, they're, they're bringing back cassettes. I mean. I think that just compounds what I say about people, you know, because, you know, I, I, like say, even the younger people are into the vinyls now, but obviously the older set people, you know. Um, closer to my age, I mean, it's 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 definitely something you never get and forget, you know, because, I mean, we remember magical moments. I remember when Electra Ladyland, I was thinking, oh, countdown, when's it coming out? Coming, and literally, there's a line outside the record store. You, you know it's going to sell out. You yeah. know, you have to get there and you grab a copy, you know, and... Um, or you got to pay record- a friend to get a copy for you because you can't go that I, day. Yeah. And you take it back, and and you're there. You do everything, but eat it. You can almost, you almost, almost want to spread some some jam on there or honey, and just eat the whole thing. You know, it's it's such a wonderful thing to have in your hands. Yeah, you know, and you put it on on there, and you're in fear of like wearing it out. You know, you don't want those crackles to start appearing. You know, because you treasured it. You don't overplay it. You want to keep it in good condition. And that's why, fortunately, now you you get a lot of people that trash their used to trash their vinyls, you know. But uh, a lot of people used to like, you know, used to pick them up, put gloves on, you know, and all of that sort of thing. And I was one of those people, you know, because it was a lot of money and it was a treasured item. So, so yeah, vinyls, uh, vinyls will go from strength to strength. I'm sure. Obviously, we've got a good selection with this record, you know. God knows how many different colours, you know there are and yeah like you need all the you need the the swirls and the gatefold you need to do it all and i gotta yeah. tell you i've been singing hellfire thunderbolts for the last like, <laughs> like <laughs> which is the way to do it hey just before uh, before we wrap up uh in uh, 2003 the the band judas priest released live in london and that's to me where ripper as the lead singer was cemented you, you know you heard jugulator and meltdown and, and the other stuff and you just went Okay, it's good. it's good. And then Live in London comes out and you go, now that's the band. And then, of course, you break it up and <laughs> bring Rob back, which is fine. But talk to me about Live in London. And, and just did you feel that you had to finally just hit your stride with this lineup? Well, absolutely. I mean, I, it's funny, isn't it, really? It was probably two days ago I sent Ripper. I don't know. It just came up on my phone. You know, you know, whatever. It came up and it was from the re... The rehearsals, we actually recorded it. Uh, I don't know how many songs we did, but I found Desert Plains and I played it. You know, I didn't mean to, I clicked on it. I was kind of curious, you know, and I'm thinking, wow, this was, this was so good, you know, and I sent it to Ripper, you know, and he, and he sent me a message back saying, yeah, that was a long day, wasn't it? I think it was two, over two hours a set and we, yeah. and we got there early to record these one-off kind of, uh, you know, we just in a kind of day clothes. We'd just gotten down there, put the guitar on, and we, we bust out a few songs, you know. I don't know what else we, we did. Um, but, yeah, the, um, 
that was a special occasion. It was a great gig, really. We had Saxon support in, I believe it was, which was uh, fantastic. It was. And Jeremy, you don't know this, but I saw Judas Priest at the Casino Ballroom in Hampton Beach, one of the greatest shows ever. Because you've got you've got an iconic band in this little venue. The energy from that stage was just overwhelming. It was just like whoa. That's a great venue. It's a great venue, and you see Priest, and I mean, that, that's why I went. I, I saw the listing, and I went, Priest in Hampton Beach? I went, oh, yeah, I'm driving six hours for this. And yeah. it, it was one of the most memorable gigs ever, because when you're hearing yeah. those we, songs in your face, you're just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, yeah, back in the day, we really had, we had, really had fire in our eyes. We really did, you know. We would, you know, it didn't matter if we played a club or whether we, stepped on stage supporting Zeppelin or Kiss or Alice Cooper, whoever it was, we it was the same for us. We it, The performance was exactly the same. Mm-hmm. You know, just a, a small club, a couple hundred people or a big arena, you know, we were just, we were just so hungry for it, you know. We thought, well, that, you know, it's like, into you know, the kill. You don't play for the people that aren't there. You play for the people that are there. Of course. Yeah. So Number one you, rule in performing. Even if there's 50 yeah. people there, still pretend it's the Enorma Dome, you know? It got to the point, you know, where we, we we started to play larger gigs. But every now and again, we play, they would put us in a smaller gig. And we kind of, it was a, it was this feeling of like raw power, you know? Um, we Because I guess we, we knew that in these, the smaller places, we would, could just like really tear it apart, you know? And, um, and uh, putting on that show, you know, all of the energy, all the shapes that we threw, everything, all of the theatrics, all of the power of the sound and the songs. And it was really quite a treat. And it was even more of a treat to see the people's faces thinking, is this real? I can touch these guys. Yeah. Oh, that show. Anyway, for me, that show was, was fantastic. And uh, uh, just before Jeremy wraps up here, uh, I told you the last time, one of my favorite songs is Parental Guidance. So I hope that maybe you recut it and metalize it or do whatever, but make sure it's in the set, at least when you play Montreal. <laughs> that would be that would be a, a, a cute addition to a yes. face preset, I think, parental <laughs> guidance. We'll, Love that yeah. song. Okay, when we get to your neck of the woods, just for you. I'll text you, the, I'll text you the night before and say, don't forget. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll bear that in mind, you know. It's good to play some tracks that would be unexpected for fans. I think that, you know, yeah. like that, yeah. you know. And it had a, it had a it had a great MTV much music uh, presence back in the day. So it's not like it's a rare gem that people will go, what is that? They'll go, oh, really? They're playing this? Great. Yeah. And if you yeah. go up to the mic and dedicate it to Mitch, our friend Stefan will be really upset. So that's really <laughs> what we want. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Oh, well, we've got a modern day version of that on the record. I think Wild and Free. The rule breakers, hell raisers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Wild and free. Track eight. We are the force that defies the laws. Yeah. So uh, anyway, that's that's all to come. Good. Before we wrap up, uh, just a rapid fire questions for you. Uh, main guitar you used on this new album? That would be um, my the main guitar. I, I was going backwards and forwards between my new my trusty white flying v that you'll see quite often in the videos mm-hmm. and um 
uh, an ASP Flying V that I've been using for quite a lot of years since the uh, since the since Ripper joined. Actually, it was a it was actually the, the same guitar that I played mainly on the show that we just mentioned, mm. you know, um, in Brixton uh, for the DVD. So that's that black and chrome Flying V. Um, ESP made that for me, so I went backwards and forwards between those two. What about main amp? What was the what was your guitar rig for this record? Oh, a combination of things really, but my trusty Marshall fifty watts. Um, you know, kind of. Um, I was plugging into there with various distortions. Kind of a bit more old school, you know. Right. Um, yeah, had to keep it pretty organic and and natural sound and you can hear that i think you know but the secret was was the room i used the room actually in my house i found a really good sounding room so i used that quite a lot (laughs) so you have you have your amp in the closet and then you have some room mics in the kitchen or (laughs) yeah 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 the the bleed you get it's a bit of a nightmare but um it was uh it worked out really really well i'm really really pleased but I was I was astonished at my guitar sound on um, at that at the show. I keep going back to that, and that's I was amazed. And I'm trying to work out what I was using. I know I was using Marshall heads, mm-hmm. but I can't remember what was what was on the front end. Um, so I'm trying to find out because that was really really cool. My guitar sound. I'm sure um, somebody has a picture of your rack or your pedal board somewhere. Yeah. So that that was Desert Plains from that song. What year was it, Mitch? Two thousand three, two thousand two. I can't remember. Ripper, obviously uh, with Ripper. Yeah, it was the full. Well, show. the album the album came out in two thousand three, live in London. So I would imagine yeah. it might have been from the year before two thousand two. Yeah. Here, let me just uh, let me go click on it. It was recorded in uh, December of two thousand one. So it must have been the two thousand one tour. Okay, mm-hmm. all the guitar players, KK's guitar sound. Uh, at that show on Desert Plains, it, it was what uh, played at the rehearsal. Check it out. See what you think. Yeah, I got to check that out. And awesome. and and see the comparable. I think because there is quite a good comparable, which is another thing that made me like it. I think um, as it's pretty similar to the new record. However, I managed that. I do not know from a rehearsal to uh, the academy in Brixton in London to to my little room here in my house how did that happen but anyway it's all in the hands must be in the hands it's all in the hands that's it well sermons of the center kk's priest available august 20th available wherever music is sold make sure you get this it's going honestly it's the best heavy record of 2021 i'm yet to find something that comes even close so you got to get this kk this was awesome thanks so much thank you miss jeremy pleasure speaking to you guys really look forward to playing for you and uh, I'm playing Mitch's track, Parental Guidance. <laughs> Parental Guidance. I oh, can't yeah. wait to get Ripper to sing that. That'll be fun. <laughs> I might have to sing it. He probably will refuse. But yeah, we'll, either we'll, way. We'll get, you, we'll get you up on the stage. How about that? <laughs> that would be epic. Yes. Especially <laughs> if you want to clear the that. audience. Yeah. We what? would do that. Yes. Okay. I'm ready. Let's go. Yeah. We don't okay, need but... no. All right. I'm ready. <laughs> okay, you guys. Yeah, we'll we'll put we'll put, we'll put some auto cue on there for you. Mitch will do fine. like a he'll do like a Huey Lewis version of it. It <laughs> <laughs> oh, wouldn't be so bad. We'll get you sounding in tune for sure. Okay, yeah. that's right. We'll just I'll I'll I'll, I'll bring backing tapes. It'll be perfect. Yeah. <laughs>
And I'll just be throwing guitar picks the whole time, Mitch. Really? Don't don't put it past me. I would do that, you guys. You know, you special guest. That would be a real treat. Well, you you that. come to Montreal. You'll you'll be our special guest. We'll treat you to one of the greatest days you've ever seen. Yeah, don't put that past me. It's, it's absolutely. You're going to get the invite. Absolutely. Yeah. Merci, Monsieur. Thank you. Thank you for doing this again. Okay, guys. It was a pleasure. See you Appreciate later. You. Thank, thank you, guys. Bye.